In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're gonna have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. So we are going to be talking about a pie chart today. We're going to be talking about a pie chart. Actually, this was actually a little funny story. So somebody DM'd me, I forget who it was, but they were like, oh, I just was taking Herman and Wallace course and they talked about your pie chart. And it was so helpful. And, and I was like, oh, cool. I teach that in Pelvic PT Essentials. And so we decided to expand upon it a little bit in this clinical-based podcast. Cool. So glad you guys are with us on today. When you hear this, it's going to be the shortest day of the year. Everything is going to be getting better from here on out. At least more ways than one, hopefully. The plan as we move into 2021. So let's talk a little bit about how all of this works. And this is part of what you talk about in the four phases of treatment, right? Yes. So... I've kind of come up with a a way to sort of categorize how we are implementing our physical therapy treatment and specifically pelvic floor physical therapy, which I definitely feel that, and this goes for any physical therapy, but I do feel like in pelvic health, it's even that much more important to really get into phases three and four. But the four phases of treatment is a concept that I go over in Pelvic PT Essentials, which is the online course that that basically is made to bridge the gap between what you're learning in some of those beginning courses and actually providing a framework for how to think and how to actually implement some of the tools that you learn in Herman and Wallace and APTA levels one, two, whatever. We'll go back for a second because I think that's really interesting about like where the genesis of this was because I think you realized that you had had to come up with your own framework for this that took like 10 years of clinical reasoning to like develop. Yeah. It's like there's no... We know we talk about it in a lot of different ways of like, oh, we just keep gathering tools, but we never have a blueprint to actually know how to use them. How would you describe like really what the, the purpose of the essentials was? So taking a step back. So when I first started pelvic health, there was no APTA courses. It was only Herman and Wallace, and it was still taught by Kathy Wallace and Holly Herman. So that was what, I mean, that was like 15 years ago. So we learn how to treat and how to assess in those courses. And, but what really you go back to your patients the next day, right? And you're just like, okay, now what do I actually do though? Like I get what I was learning. I understand that I assessed the, you know, superficial pelvic floor muscles. I learned that I, how to assess the deeper muscles. I learned what, how to figure out if I'm actually on the obturator internus. I maybe learned a couple of treatment tools, I learned biofeedback, but like, what does that actually mean when somebody's sitting right in front of you? And how do I actually do an eval and incorporate 
all of the other physical therapy knowledge that we have. And so that was one of the big learning curves when you're first out there trying to treat patients. You you learn, and this is where I think we end up getting really myopic in our views because it's almost like if you, you're an orthopedic therapist or you're a new new physical therapist and you go and you're like, I'm going to do pelvic health. This is my jam. This is awesome. I go to some of these, you know, beginning courses and then it's like, oh, now I'm only looking at the pelvic floor and not, and, and there's so much to do there. How do I navigate? How much importance do I place on that versus the external wise to all of those symptoms? And so that's what pelvic PT essentials is. I had the luxury of as soon as I took all of those courses, number one, I took them all within a year, which I feel like is super helpful. Now, my hospital at that time had paid for them, and they also paid for me to have clinical mentorship in between when I was taking those courses. So I was able to directly have real-world experience on implementing all of that stuff that I was learning in my courses immediately after I was learning it. And that honestly is like one of the reasons why I think I learned so fast and really got my framework together relatively quickly and then has snowballed over the 15 years I've been treating. But And then I don't think you even realized you had a framework until you started having to train other people and realized that not everybody was thinking that way. Not everybody was treating bimanually. Not everybody was progressing people through stages of treatment. Everyone was kind of feeling like not confident that they were just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. That was kind of a cool moment, I think, for you when you realize like, oh, I've actually got this framework in my head. I've never even articulated it. Yeah. But there are four phases of treatment and your problem is between two and three. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesse had really helped me pull that stuff out. And it did mostly come when I started to actually hire people and teach a little bit, right? When I was like actually having to think about my process and how am I going to help somebody that works for me, translate that process into what I think pelvic PT should be, right? Which is like a head to toe evaluation with a internal assessment component to it. But then how do we actually, everybody can say that, but the framework is to how to actually assess your patient and decide the clinical decision-making on what to work on first, second, third, prioritizing, helping to prognosticate to your patient, and then also communicating that all all while figuring it out as we go along is all about what how Pelvic PT Essentials was born. So, you know, that's what I really felt like there was a need. I feel like that's why I was able to be successful early on in my career is because I had somebody else help me to figure that out. And then more recently, I had Jesse help me to pull it out of my brain. And this is now pulled out So what we're going to go over right now is pulled out. It's one small, small, small section, like a couple of slides in one module of the entire course of Pelvic PT Essentials. We do have a podcast on the four phases of treatment, which I highly recommend that you go back and listen to. I'm going to briefly mention them here, but this is part of the figure it out phase moving into the fix the thing phase. So the four phases of pelvic PT treatment should be figure it out, fix the things, And if you cringe when I say fix the things, you need to go back and listen to the other podcast. I explain why I use that language. Add back in and be on your own. So as we move into um, talking a little bit more about the figure it out phase, this is is the only phase that I give an actual parameter for, for visits 
in there, I usually say in about three to five visits, we should have a really good picture of, of all of the contributing factors to symptoms. And this is where the pie chart comes in. Jesse? Really more like the Y chart. Yeah, the, oh, hey, there pie we go. Y. Yeah, this but is the pie Y about, chart. Yeah, you talk about getting to the underlying Y all the time, but in reality, it's usually not one underlying why. Even though that might be how you communicate with patients or what you want to be doing is getting to that, it's never just one thing. It's never just one thing. And we're going to talk in this section on how all of the different contributing factors to patient symptoms, this is serves two purposes. Thinking about your patient in this way, number one, helps you to differentiate what is the most important pieces of their care and also the highest percentages of how their symptoms are presenting. But that doesn't necessarily mean, we're going to talk about how that doesn't necessarily mean the highest percentage of the contributing factor does not necessarily mean that's what you go after first. So we're going to talk about that here in a second. So it serves for our purposes as PTs to help figure out what the hell is going on with our patient. But then it also helps visually for the when you're communicating your thought process to the patient's on here are all of the things that we are going to work on. Here are all the things that I can help you with. And as we progress through the phases of treatment, these are the things that we are going to be focusing on. And in so many words, without actually having to say it, you can then talk of that to them about you're, you're not done here until we've actually assessed and addressed all of these factors. So you're starting out with the end in mind to the patient so that it's not just about getting their symptoms resolved. It's about looking at all of those contributing factors and it's giving them the confidence that you are the person that's going to help them guide, be, be guided through this entire plan of care. I think that's something that patients are really eager for as well. As somebody, we talk about this a lot on the phone when people call in, when we're out of town, people call in. They really feel like their care is so segmented. They see their urologist and he looks at the bladder and they see their pain management person. He looks at the pain system. They see their PT and the PT looks at the pelvic floor and they see an ortho PT for their hip problem. And nobody's ever actually looking at the big picture, but go ahead and go from, so that's the theory. Well, yeah, I actually, right. That's the theory. And just to piggyback on what you're saying, this is actually a really important concept for my, be the quarterback of your patient's care. So in this pie chart, let's say, and we're going to go into this here in a second, but let's say that you deem that like, you know, 25% of their constipation, bloating, GI, pelvic pain upset is from their nutrition, then, and you're not, you don't feel like you're the best person to do that. This is where being the quarterback is not just like, yep, you sure need to get your nutrition figured out. It's that, no, this is the things that I think as your pelvic PT you need to be addressing. This is how they specifically relate to what we're working on. If you refer out then to somebody, then it's with a very specific goal and purpose of which that patient is going to come back to you with more information and you are going to see how addressing that 25% of the nutrition component is going to be related to their pelvic floor symptoms. So you're constantly in this figuring it out phase, this hypothesis-driven mindset where the patients, even if you refer them out to another practitioner, 
then they're going to be coming back to you with information so that you can put the whole picture together. And that I think is really important also in this framework. It's not like, oh, well, well I found that only 10% of it's pelvic floor, neuromuscular, musculoskeletal. So I really only need to see you once a month. And then you need to see all of these other people. It's that we still need to be actively participating in our patient's care because that's, that's what we're specifically equipped to do. So give me an example. Let's take it from theory down to practice. Give me an example of putting together the pi y chart. We're going to have to come up with a better name now. (laughs) Putting together the y chart for the patient. Okay. So let's just take an example of somebody that, that comes to our clinic and they have painful intercourse, both with deep thrusting and with insertional pain right at the opening. Okay. This is pretty typical picture here. We're going to kind of use this as a framework to move through the Y pie chart here. So let's say then we do our orthopedic assessment. We do our pelvic floor assessment And I talk about finding the musculoskeletal and neuromuscular why to your patient's primary pelvic symptom. Like they're in your office as a pelvic health practitioner. So, you know, I hear this a lot. We're like, well, your pelvic floor seems kind of fine. And it's like, ooh, if they're having pelvic floor symptoms, it's very likely that their pelvic floor is not fine. So if you are finding that you're there pelvic floor and in air quotes seems fine or isn't that bad, then I encourage you to look further into your technique, right? Like we always talk about like, look at ourselves first. Are you super duper confident that their pelvic floor really is fine? Because I will tell you that I have assessed a ton of people that have seen multiple physical therapists before. And I find a ton of stuff. And it's like the patient always says, oh, well, it didn't feel like that when my other therapist was doing it. Right. So it's very likely that if they have pelvic floor symptoms, things like urinary symptoms, bowel symptoms, pain at the vulva, in this case, in this hypothetical situation, pain at the opening and with deeper thrusting, like you're not hitting someone's bladder when you're having sex necessarily. So it's like the, the their muscles there are probably pissed off. And what is happening? We need to find that out. The pelvic floor is very likely not, quote unquote, fine. So, but then you're saying that even if you do find whatever the problem is with the pelvic floor, that's not enough. That's not the why. That is not the why, right? So you're finding the first part of the why, which is... You know, let's say then with your values, you find that there's symptom reproduction with, you know, left and right superficial transverse perineal palpation and with left obturator internus palpation, maybe moderate on the left and mild on the right. Okay. So the biggest question that you can ask then is why is that? And usually there's a secondary why outside of the pelvis, SI joint issues, hip problems, are they breathing well? Are they utilizing their diaphragm? Are they getting full lengthening of their pelvic floor? What are they doing something in their daily work or life that is, you know, contributing to some of these external factors that are influencing the pelvic floor problem? So then you're done, right? Now it's like, oh, your SI joint <laughs> is causing whatever the words were that you said about perineal and obturator and all the rest of that. And, and then you're done. 
And that is also not true, right? So then the next why, and this are, these are all things that you are compiling data on so that you can basically construct this very colorful pie chart about what is actually contributing to your symptoms. So the, what are the other factors that can be going on here? And this is where there's associated factors with, so now we have like a pyramid, essentially. We have the primary pelvic floor why, we have the external orthopedic sort of movement dysfunction why, and then we have, well, why is that actually happening right now in this person's life? And that's where the stress, anxiety, nervous system upregulation, central sensitization, lifestyle, some of the foundations of pelvic health. Is it that they have now had a lot of loss of sleep? Did they just start a new job? Does Is that more of a physical job issue that they have now? Are they lifting more? Are they sitting more? Something like that. Or is it more of a, I just got my life disrupted by having to find a new job, right? And why are these symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction manifesting in this way right now. And usually that's even a little bit more macro look at the why. Is it a hormonal dysfunction? I feel like a lot of times hormonal dysfunctions get get overlooked as sort of a contributing factor to this why. And so when we're thinking about all of these other sort of associated factors, we want to think about other factors in the found in the foundations of pelvic health, which is like sleep, stress management, some sort of movement change or dysfunction and nutritional status. And these other four major buckets, right, with muscles and nerves, hormonal, gut, GI sort of system, and then nervous system. So those are all of the choices that we have. And putting the pieces together of what is going on is what actually is going to be represented in this pie chart of your patient's overall symptom presentation of what are the contributing factors to this issue. And I know I'm not a PT, but that seemed like a lot right there. You just listed a lot of things to be taking into account. What happens if you're not taking that stuff into account? What happens if you're just looking at whatever the the proximate cause was? This is the classic definition of like symptom chasing where you get symptom resolution and then it, you're, you're finding yourself saying, gosh, like we got that pelvic floor muscle pretty good last time. And now they come back again next week and it's right back. It's right back at it. Or we were okay for like a couple of weeks. And then all of the sudden, quote unquote, the symptoms came back with a vengeance and that your patient's getting frustrated because they're like, I thought we had this figured out. It's now, you know, I feel like I'm back to square one. And it's if that, if your patient is coming back and saying that, or you are observing that in your patient, then it's probably that some of these contributing factors to the why are not being fully addressed. Okay. So, and then one of the other interesting things that you point out in that module is that the highest percentage doesn't necessarily dictate what you address first. Right. Which seems a little counterintuitive, it's I would super say. Counterintuitive. Like you see a pie chart and you've got half of it is due to one area. Why would you not go after that the biggest chunk first? So this usually happens when you are thinking about things like nutrition or central nervous system upregulation, where we know as PTs that that's probably a huge driver of symptoms, but what are we going to do with 
central nervous system upregulation in one visit, right? I mean, that is that helps you now to be like, if 50% of the problem is that, then your conversation with the patient needs to be a lot more about the foundations of pelvic health with sleep, stress management, movement, and pain science education and stuff like that that doesn't happen in one visit. It's not like you just hand someone a book and be like, yep, why don't you go ahead and read this and sh- your central nervous system is going to be totally fine. So it somewhat depends on what you tackle first based on their proximate symptom presentation, because someone that doesn't understand central sensitization and they have painful intercourse and you find the pelvic floor problem and you know that the driver of their, in this case, superficial transverse perineal tension is more about nervous system upregulation than it is about any sort of issue with their hip or anything like that, that person's going to be real pissed if you hand them a book and saying like, we just need to get your nervous system down and and then your pelvic floor will calm down. That's not going to fly with them. And even if they sort of kind of grasp that, they're going to get real frustrated real fast when you, what you know is going to take a lot longer, you're not even working on their pelvic floor. And this is where I get real passionate about making sure that when we're educating about pain science and nervous system upregulation, we have to communicate well with the patient and also treat the thing that's actually causing them pain. This is where in this case, right, we're talking about someone that has a huge chunk that we know is central nervous system upregulation, but we still might choose to work on a 10% of it that's superficial transverse perineal tension, because that's what's going to help them to understand that connection over the long period of time. That makes a ton of sense. Cause I, I mean, we, how many patients do we see who have been basically told, because if I came in with symptoms and you said, Hey, read this book on pain science and everything will be better. Even if that's technically true, I'm interpreting that as you telling me that my pain's all in my head and, and being that, dismissive. Yeah, and that oh, I just oh, just another version of I need to calm down or whatever. And Have they don't see, wine. and yeah. they don't see the connection. And frankly, also this just doing that and focusing on that and being like, oh, I'm going to be like, that's not going to fix the cons. The months and months now that the superficial transverse perineal and obturator internists have been in this shortened state and are causing symptoms now. So we have to do both. It's not either or. Both and thinking when it both comes to this. Both and stuff. thinking. My goodness, both and thinking. And so that's. But I think you know, getting back to what this pie chart represents, right? It and it can be a fluid document. It is not something that you figure out all in the first visit, and then that is your gospel. This changes as you are addressing all of the things in this pie chart. But it helps to communicate and guide some of the hypothesis testing that you're going to be doing in the rest of your treatments. And that's really where the rest of PT Essentials comes through, is that you have an initial hypothesis of the pie chart representation of all the contributing factors to symptoms. And then it is a fluid document with, now if we think that it's 25% musculoskeletal, superficial transverse perineal, obturator internus, another 20% of that is going to be because they had an old hip injury with a labral tear something like that, then it's like, well, 
what are we actually going to do in each of those categories and how are they interrelated? And that is where the starting out with a hypothesis and then being able to change your mind based on the the stuff that they come back with and information. And then we can sort of adjust the, the final product of the pie chart. You know, so the beginning of the pie chart is what your hypothesis is and what you're working off of. And then at the end, you could basically hand them a pie chart that's finished and be like, yeah, this is what it was. And that's okay to, for it to be an evolution, but it should be a systematic evolution based on your expertise and under your guidance. Cool. So I hope that makes sense for you guys. We are going to put a link in the show notes here for so you can actually download and use the Y chart. I like calling it that. We need the to figure out a new chart. name. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, the other thing is, you guys, is that everyone always asks it in like, well, how do you know? How do you know what percentage it is? And then that's literally what the rest of Pelvic PT Essentials is because there's a, a way to figure that out in the figure it out phase and the fix the things phase. And it's all part of a like hypothesis testing sort of model that uses this information to to do that. Yeah, this is your prior in statistical terms. Yes, your this prior, is your prior. And then you adjust as you go. So I hope this has been helpful. We'll put the link to that down there. We're actually going to be opening back up the Essentials course. So if it's something that you guys want to jump into and take and start 2021 off on a high note, we're going to be opening that up from now, which is the 21st of December, shortest day of the year, all the way to the 31st, which is the last day of the year. So if you want to jump into that, you can. Uh, Nicole's going to be doing a live Q&A for that course in mid-February, which usually takes about six weeks to go through. Usually we would say allocate about three hours a week to getting through all of that material. If you guys are thinking about it, thinking about time commitments and stuff like that. But if you are dealing with any of those things that Nicole was talking about, about having a hard time translating your knowledge to actual patient care, if you're not feeling confident in what you're doing, if you're wondering if what you're doing is right, if you're getting a lot of people who are plateauing and or coming back, or you feel like you're chasing symptoms, that could be a really good way to start off 2021 and be feeling a lot more confident going into the new year. So if you guys have questions about that, you can always shoot it over an email to Nicole at Pelvic Sanity. You can find out more information about essentials at pelvicptrising.com slash essentials. We'll put a link in the show notes to that as well, but make sure to pick up that Y chart. If you have questions or want to join us for the next round of the essentials, that is on now. But as always, let's keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. <laughs>